This is Rounding the Corner into the Event Horizon. Now, all of my subscribers and listeners know this podcast is my invitation to you to enter my mind and experience the universe as I do, to see the universe through the eyes of a madman. And the sound that you're hearing right now is the sonic gravity that is binding us together. And I can promise you that I'm going to say some things, especially in this episode, that you have never considered. And in return for your audience, I promise to leave you better than I found you. And I want you to know that my purpose in publishing this episode is to save your life. I want to save your life because I care about you. And the first part of this episode is titled Rounding the Corner. Obviously, it references what we've all been hearing from various leaders who want us to believe that they're competent. We've been hearing for the last year all about how great we're doing in our national and global battle with COVID-19. And I've touched on some of this in Critical Thinking Part 2, The Quantum Physics of Inductive Reasoning, and most recently in Politics Part 2, Vaccine Stupid, which was pretty much about, if you want to open schools, let's vaccinate teachers. If you want to open restaurants, let's vaccinate servers, instead of everybody locked away and filing cabinets for old people with one foot in the grave who are just waiting around to die anyway. It's hard for some people to admit that, because we all have old people we respect and love, but objectively what makes the most sense is what makes the most sense. And these paradoxes are all around us. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Normal, sane people have a much harder time seeing these truths through the illusions of the social conventions they build for themselves. But that's why you're here in the first place. You're not listening to be persuaded or to have your beliefs challenged. And this is definitely not the echo chamber of your Facebook feed, where we cheer the posts of the majority of people in our friends list who think exactly the same way we do. You're only here to stare into madness. Now, the second part of the title of this episode is Into the Event Horizon. So to start, we need to cover some basic astrophysics. So I want you to look at the cover art of my very first episode, You're Invited. It shows the Earth and the Moon sitting on a kind of checkerboard, and that checkerboard represents what astrophysicists call space-time. And if you look close to where the Earth and the Moon sit on the checkerboard, if you look closely, you can see... Now they're kind of pushing down and putting a dent in the space-time. It looks like a dent underneath the Earth and the Moon. And this represents how mass in the universe bends space-time. Think of space like a big water bit. And when you put weight on it, it kind of sinks in. And this is just an aside, but I think the opposite is true where nothing is pushing down like a water bed. And nobody knows this yet, but you know how a water bed kind of poofs up higher everywhere where nothing is pushing down on it? That upward curve, I think, is an anti-gravity well that pushes things apart, which is what astrophysicists are calling dark energy right now. And I don't know if they figured it out yet, but I think dark energy is anti-gravity, which is a bulge in the open areas of space-time, like the poofing up in a waterbed, where the total sum of all volumetric gravity wells in a closed system equals the dark energy anti-gravity fields everywhere else. But that's a discussion for another time. But in that picture on the cover art of You're Invited, that indentation in the checkerboard floor represents what astrophysicists call a gravity well. Now imagine a marble rolling along that checkerboard, and if it gets too close to the Earth, the marble is going to roll down into the Earth's gravity well. That's exactly the same thing as flying through space 
and being pulled into the Earth's gravity. Now think of a satellite orbiting around the Earth, right? Or the Earth orbiting around the Sun. An orbit is what you get when something is traveling around in circles around something. And the way that happens is like when you shoot a basketball and it doesn't quite go in perfectly and it kind of spins around inside the rim of the hoop, right? It doesn't go down. It's going too fast and so it keeps going in circles, going too fast to fall down, but it's not going fast enough to flip out. And then eventually the basketball's speed and the friction and everything and the, and the drag will like slow it down till it falls into the well of the hoop. Or if you're golfing and you put the ball close to the hole so that it kind of catches the edge, it might circle the drain a few times and then go in. But if you got too much heat on it, the ball can hang up on the edge of the well, pick up some speed and slingshot away from the hole. And that's what an orbit is, something traveling around in the inside of a gravity well in the curvature of space-time. And you can totally see it on the cover of your Invited. You can see that if you came in fast enough, kind of at an angle, Something could enter a gravity well at an angle and spin around like a roulette wheel and never escape the gravity. But it could go fast enough that it never falls deeper into the well because unlike a roulette wheel, there's no like friction or drag or anything in space because there's just a vacuum. But just like a perfect jump shot or a perfect putt, if you head straight at the hole, you're going into the well. But even if you come in at a nice shallow angle, if you're not traveling fast enough, your orbit is going to decay. And that means you'll circle around and around, but you're going to get closer and closer and closer to the source of gravity circling the drain as you are dragged deeper and deeper into the gravity well. So can something ever get out of a gravity well? Sure. A marble in the face of the Earth would need to be shot from the surface of the Earth at 7 miles per second to escape the Earth's gravity well, to have enough speed to be able to roll up out of the well. So you would hear an astrophysicist say that the escape velocity for anything to leave the surface of the Earth's gravity is about 7 miles per second. And for comparison, the fastest bullets that we can shoot travel about half a mile a second. Now that's not what you're seeing when you see like a spaceship or a rocket's like launch off into space where it like blasts off and it's going really slow and then it starts going faster and faster and faster and faster as the thrust, the impulse of the engines overcome gravity. It allows the rocket to continue to accelerate and accelerate until it hits an escape velocity based on what the altitude of the rocket is. And then when they hit that escape velocity, they turn off the engines so they don't like rocket into deep space. But if you were trying to get something off the face of the earth that didn't have its own thrusters or its engines like a marble, then you'd have to use a seven mile per second slingshot to get it off the face of the earth or it would come back down. Now if you wanted to slingshot something out of the gravity well of the sun, you're gonna to have to shoot it at about 385 miles per second. Now remember, the more the mass there is, like we said before, the more matter there is, the more gravity there is, which makes perfect sense, right? You can see from the picture in the dent in the checkerboard of space-time, the bigger and heavier something is, the deeper and deeper the gravity well goes. Now the sun is the center of our solar system and all the planets orbit in its gravity. They circle around inside the sun's gravity well. And our galaxy, the Milky Way, is made up of 100,000 million stars. And all of those solar systems, including ours, are orbiting around the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way, like a pinwheel. And the thing our sun and the rest of the rest of those stars are orbiting around is a supermassive black hole called Sagittarius A star. But a black hole isn't like a hole in the ground. It's like a dark star that is so big and so super heavy that its gravity is so strong 
that its own light can't escape its own gravity, which is why all black holes are black. And Sagittarius A-star weighs about 4.5 million times more than our sun does. And we think it's about 27 and a quarter million miles across. That's how big Sagittarius A-star is. And the reason that we're spinning around in the Milky Way galaxy is because even though we are 25,640 light years away from Sagittarius A-star, that means we would need to travel for 25,640 years at the speed of light. And the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. So we are forever away from Sagittarius A-star, and we are still stuck in its gravity well. And even though we're 25,640 light years away, our escape velocity from Sagittarius A-star well at this range is about 350 miles per second, almost as fast. You'd have to go almost as fast away from the center of the galaxy, the same speed we'd need to get off of the face of the sun. Now the fastest that anything in the universe can ever move is the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Physics makes it impossible to go faster than that because as you approach the speed of light, Einstein proved that as you go faster, your mass increases. So at the speed of light, your mass gets so much it approaches infinity. So then to go to the speed of light, it takes infinity energy to travel faster than the speed of light. So the fastest you can ever go is 186,000 miles per second. And as you can see from the curvature of space-time on the cover art of your invited, the gravity well gets deeper and deeper the closer you are to the center of the mass. And Sagittarius A-star at the center of our galaxy has so much gravity that even though it's over 27 million miles across, if you were even to get within 8.3 million miles of Sagittarius A-star, you would be so deep in Sagittarius A-star's gravity well that you would have to be able to go faster than the speed of light to escape its gravity. So even 8.3 miles away, even if you were another million miles away, like 9 or 10 million miles away, it would probably be something like 185,999 miles per second. So it's still going to eat you. So since you can only travel 186,000 miles per second, that's the max, then there is a point of no return where you can literally never, ever escape the gravity of a black hole because the gravity well is too steep. And this point of no return is what astrophysicists refer to as the event horizon. And anything that crosses the event horizon is banished from the universe as we know it, never to return. So it's undeniable in nature there are things in nature we cannot see that are mathematically predictable, and whether or not we understand it or can do the math or like it or agree or not, they will affect us all the same. Gravity does not care. It binds us all, and we can tell ourselves that we're sick and tired of gravity, that we have gravity fatigue, and that gravity is doing damage to our culture and our mental health. And we can even tell everyone that we have an American right not to believe in gravity or to follow it. But gravity doesn't care. And it will crush us and smash us if we let it. Gravity simply is. Gravity exists because matter exists. And COVID also matters. COVID matters because it exists. And that is a fact. And why it exists or who started it is as irrelevant as asking why gravity exists or why matter creates gravity. It simply does the same way that COVID simply matters. And now it's obvious, right? The title. The title is turning the corner into the event horizon. And COVID-like gravity exists in nature. We can't see it. It's like gravity, mathematically predictable. And whether we understand it or can do the math or like it or agree or not, COVID will affect us all the same. 
COVID doesn't care. It is an organism, a disease, just like cancer is a disease. But COVID is a virus, and a virus is an organism that exists for only one purpose, to multiply and replicate itself. And we can tell ourselves that we're sick and tired of COVID, and that we have COVID fatigue, and that COVID is doing damage to our culture and our mental health, and we can tell everyone that we have an American right not to believe in COVID or follow social distancing and wear masks or get immunized, but COVID doesn't care and it will smash us just like gravity if we let it. And like the gravity well of Sagittarius A-star, COVID also presents a mathematically inevitable event horizon, a point of no return that will globally cull the human population at a global level. In 1655, the bubonic plague killed 25% of London and 25 million people worldwide. So a naturally occurring biological has decimated the world population before and is happening again right now. And as we see the charts of the dead and infected climb higher and higher in COVID, as we circle around the orbit of COVID's morbidity well, the more we allow it to infect us and kill us, the more it will mutate. And the more it mutates, the more our orbit decays and the faster and faster we spiral into COVID's morbidity well. And just like gravity, we need to pause and recognize that there is a morbidity event horizon to COVID. That is a mathematical inevitability that if we allow our orbit to decay by permitting the virus to continue to spread and mutate, the rate at which the virus mutates is going to accelerate. And at the point that the virus's mutation rate outpaces our ability to produce effective vaccines, then the virus will have defeated our pharmaceutical technology because it will be evolving faster than we can ever hope to kill it. And that is a fact. And at current infection rates and reinfection rates, our breakthrough Pfizer messenger RNA vaccine is still reportedly between 30 and 60% effective at the most resistant virus strain that is currently laying waste to Brazil. That is the P1 mutation. And check it out. I talked about this months ago in Critical Thinking Part 2. And the mutation, that P1 mutation our mo against our most effective virus, that Pfizer vaccine, that's like 94% effective against the Wuhan strain, it could be as low as 30% effective against this P1 strain from Brazil right now. And we should care about that because we only have about 30% of our population vaccinated against the Wuhan strain, and there's already a mutation that is 70% resistant to this Wuhan shot. And you've heard that phrase, right? What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Well, that's exactly true when it comes to viral mutations because if someone is killed by a virus or the virus survives inside someone and has a chance to mutate inside someone who's already has a treatment or has the vaccination, then that virus is going to mutate in a way that defeats that immunization and so it won't be long and I hate to say this I hate to speak this but it's not going to be very long before the p1 is completely resistant to the Pfizer vaccine and that is a fact and when that happens we go right back to square one but it's kind of like square zero because now the virus that we're facing is learned to defeat our most advanced pharmaceutical antiviral that has ever been created the messenger RNA based vaccine and since I did uh, another episode of uh, Vaccine Stupid a couple months ago, there's been a South African mutation that's B1351 that 
is reported to reduce the vaccination effectiveness as well. And there's a UK variant, B117, in the UK that they know readily cross-mutated with a Danish strain that was found in a uh, mink farm. So we're already seeing all these viruses stack up like Voltron, and as soon as P1 unites with them, they're all going to be 70% resistant to our most advanced antivirals. So in the eyes of a madman who feels no COVID fatigue and is unencumbered by the need for social reconnection, I see through the typical social confirmation bias that really blinds the sane. And I see the future virus not as a single disease. I see through the event horizon of COVID morbidity. And I see multiple strains with enough genetic diversity to cross mutate at a faster rate than we're able to formulate our vaccines. And so while we're rounding the corner on the Wuhan strain of COVID-19, our politicians and most of the public see us rounding the corner. And it looks like we're rounding the corner, but we're really circling in the orbit, in the morbidity well of COVID, and our orbit is decaying. And once we cross this event horizon, like the inescapable gravity well of Sagittarius A-star, we will witness an ever-accelerating viral evolution and we will have allowed COVID to become incurable. But I promise to leave you better than I found you, so I'll leave you with the following. The mutation rate is controlled by the infection rate. The current infection rate is controlled by the following things, getting vaccinated, social distancing, staying in when possible, wearing a mask, and washing our hands. All these things can be done to slow the spread and deny the virus the opportunities it needs to mutate. And if we do all these things, then there's a good chance that COVID will not become incurable. And But even if it does, the good news is, is that the culling will probably transact heavier within groups of people who do things like refuse to wear masks or continue to gather in groups, ignore social distancing, and decline to become vaccinated. And so in some ways, the virus will cull the least intelligent among us, which is comforting because when it comes to natural selection, it's always nice to know that you're not the slowest gazelle. And to folks who don't want to wear a mask and don't want to get a vaccination, well, you reap what you sow. And, you know, to be honest, I think that maybe if the gene pool was thickened up a little bit, it might make our national governments a little more efficient. And I want to close with this. A long time ago, I heard this sort of cautionary tale. It was a Sunday school lesson. But as soon as I thought of the phrase, reap what you sow, and that's from Galatians 6, 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It stuck in my head, and the original parable was about a man in a flood, refusing assistance because of his abiding trust in God's supernatural power to save him. And I wanted to leave my fellow Christians with a 21st century adaptation of that same cautionary tale that stands for the idea that nobody knows when judgment comes. And you need to be ready because it comes like a thief in the night. And there will be those who weep and gnash their teeth when they realize the fate that they've already chosen, so to speak. Now, there was a man in this pandemic who refused to fear the virus on the grounds that he was certain that the almighty God's ever-loving power and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world, would save him. The government asked this man to limit his public exposure and stay in as much as possible and that it would help save the lives of others, to which the man replied, No thank you, my faith in Almighty God's ever-loving power and the blood of his son Jesus Christ who takes away the sin of the world is going to save me. A man came by later and said, Hey, would you like to wear this mask? Because it will help stop the spread of the virus and save the lives of others. To which the man replied, No thank you, my faith in the Almighty God's ever-loving power and the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world, will save me. 
and then later he was approached by a lady who asked the man if he would like to be vaccinated, which would help stop the spread and save the lives of many others. To which he replied, No thank you, my faith in Almighty God's ever-loving power and the blood of His Son Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world, is going to save me. And then the man contracted COVID, spread it around a little bit, and then died. And then the man's soul traveled up into the heavens, and shortly thereafter he was standing before the pearly gates, and he could see St. Peter on the other side with the book of life under his arm. St. Peter looked at the man solemnly with a look of compassion and pity on his face. And the man said, St. Peter, is it really you? Is this really heaven? And St. Peter said, yes, sir, I am, and yes, sir, it is. And the man reached out to open the gate, but it was locked tightly. But St. Peter, the man said, please open the gate. I put all my faith in God. I died for my faith. I kept faith in Almighty God's ever-loving power in the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. I'm saved. No, sir, Peter said. It says in the book of life that you died because you rejected God's blessings three times and kept no faith with anyone but yourself. And that three times you refused to do anything to prevent the spread of the devil's poison among the rest of God's children. That's impossible, St. Peter. Sir, it says God sent you three blessings, all of which you refused and instead followed your own selfish ideology and made an offering of yourself to the devil as the vessel of his unholy plague. What? the man said. In the book of life it is written that God sent you a warning to stay inside, but you didn't listen, and thereby offered yourself as the devil's vessel to carry Lucifer's plague and assisted the deceiver in spreading his poison among the children of God. In the book of life it is written that next God sent you a mask, but you didn't put it on, and a second time offered yourself as the devil's vessel to carry Lucifer's plague and assisted the deceiver in spreading the poison among the children of God. And in the book of life it is written that finally God offered you medicine, but you still refused to take it. A third time offered yourself as the devil's vessel to carry Lucifer's plague and assisted the deceiver in spreading his poison among the children of God. And it says in refusing God's blessing so many times in favor of becoming the vessel of the devil's plague, You brought about your own death and participated in causing the deaths of many others. Why did you refuse the blessing of the Lord? The man said, I didn't refuse. I was waiting for God's blessing. I'm still waiting for it. St. Peter said, no, you were deceived and still embraced the deception. And the man said, I expected, I trusted that God would save me with his almighty power. I believed in God. I didn't need to stay in. I didn't need to wear a mask or I didn't need to be vaccinated. I had faith in him to save me. I put my faith in him to save me, but he didn't. He let me die. Matthew 4, 7 replied St. Peter. But St. Peter, I had every right not to inconvenience myself by staying inside. I was allowed. I wasn't going to fear that virus or let it control me, even if it might spread a little bit. What proof is there? They didn't even make a law. And nobody ever told me that this was the devil's virus. It's not the devil's virus. What's your proof? It's the work of the devil. If I knew it was the devil, I could have acted differently. Why didn't God tell us it was the devil? Somebody should have said something. And furthermore, I had a constitutional right to don't wear a mask. Even if it could spread the virus a little, there's no proof masks are for losers. It's totally political. They're doing it to control us. This is America, and we can refuse to wear a mask whenever we want. And I had every right to refuse a vaccination. I think it causes autism. There were studies once. There's no law saying I had to, and I'm totally allowed to refuse a vaccination if it's against my religion. And then St. Peter said, And what religion are you, sir, that would refuse to reduce public exposure, wear a mask, or accept medicine, 
all blessings from the Lord to show love and care for the sake of the rest of God's children, St. Peter asked. What religion turns a blind eye on the safety of God's children in the name of self? Because now you stand apart, having refused God's blessing three times and with love for none, having thereby taken your own life in the service of Lucifer, the fallen one, and having participated in the taking of the lives of children of God, you are judged today as the vessel of the devil's venom, still in judgment unrepentant, and therefore judged unforgiven. Sir, it is your own will that you serve, so away with you, servant of Satan, and unto you thine own will will be done. And for all eternity there was much weeping and gnashing of teeth.